Welcome to the Sex Magic Podcast, where we explore the connections between sexuality and spirituality, the various cultures and traditions of sex magic, and conversations about everything in between, led by a coven of curious modern witches. If you'd like to follow us on social media, our Instagram is Sex Magic Podcast, our website is sexmagicpodcast.com, and if you want to send us an email, sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode is hosted by me, Tosca, Phoenix, and Bella, and today we are joined by a certified couples therapist, Dr. Paula Hello-Brown, and we're talking relationships. Phoenix here. Hi, Paula. I'm so glad to have you on the show at last. I'm so, so grateful. Four years ago, Paula and I led small private sex workshops in Los Angeles, speaking on the mysteries of the female orgasm, sex tips, and more. I invited her to Sex Magic Podcast to get some of her expert advice for all of you. Can you tell our listeners and the other co-hosts a little bit more about yourself, Paula? All right. Hi, everybody. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. Um, Just to tell everybody a little bit about myself. Um, So I was actually born and raised in Mexico. And um, I began my journey into therapy after um, just learning about Kurt Cobain's suicide. (laughs) That like really got me very concerned about just the mind and the many different ways we can uh, just live our lives and um, what many things in the world can affect the way we think and the way we feel. Um, so after that, I started pursuing a degree in psychology and then I got, um, master's in marriage and family therapy, which by the way, I don't know why they call it marriage and family therapy. I definitely feel like it should be couples and family therapy because not all couples are married or can get married in many places. So anyway, um, master's in marriage and family therapy, And then I got my license in that as well. Um, And I also have a gender study certificate. um, So I've been able to explore a little bit about, um, you know, gender. I was talking to Phoenix a little bit about um, how um, the feminine healing energy has been suppressed through or there's been efforts to suppress that throughout the years. And so that's something that I've always been really interested about um, throughout my career. And then my research um, focus is on Latinx mental health, particularly sexuality and intimacy in people diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, schizoaffective and bipolar disorders. And so that's um, what I'm, I focus on in, in my work. Um, I'm a professor at Mount St. Mary's University. And I also run a mental health program at the Consulate of Mexico. That is amazing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Paula. Uh, So, Dr. Paula, let's talk a little bit about modern dating. We've joked about looking into a prospective partner's birth chart before things got serious. What do you mean, joke? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that was definitely a thing that we all do. How would you suggest someone determine if a potential partner is a good match? What would you say is the most important thing to have in common in this day and age, in your personal or professional opinion? Of course, I think particularly in this day and age, there are two things I would suggest people consider. The first one is having values in common. And when I talk about values, I don't necessarily mean anything having to do with like moral or religion, but more about 
about just like life values in general. What are the things that are important to you? What are the things that make you feel happy or that make you feel full? Um, those things should definitely be something that you and your partner match as much as possible in. Um, a lot of the conflicts that couples come to see me for have a lot to do with that discrepancy in values and just, you know, they thought they clicked really well because they liked the same music. However, when it comes to just like um, what matters in life, they were definitely not seeing eye to eye. So to me, that's one of the main things and also goals. So just like what you hope to accomplish in the future in your life or what do you see yourself doing? So if those two things are not um, matching, um, there are a lot of opportunities for people to just not get along or to find maybe in the beginning there's a lot of passion, there's a lot of that chemistry going on. But you know, once that chemistry starts to um, lower a little bit, you know, you're left with kind of an empty relationship to some extent like if you're not aligned in what is important for you or what you love to do and what you hope to do in the future then you know there's not much left there with mm. clear intention exactly. as we always speak Absolutely. of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that honeymoon period you have to be be mm -hmm. aware that 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 will fade at some point and you have to put the work in. Exactly, and it does, it does. It is kind of a fantasy to believe that a relationship is always going to be in that high um, that it is in the beginning. It's just not natural and not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to be very honest with ourselves and also not expect for our partners to try to keep that up for us. Um, mm -hmm. We have to be in constant communication and we f have to find other things that we align in as well and it also actually makes the sex more fulfilling when it's not just out of lust but it's also about like a deep connection and a intimacy that goes beyond just what happens chemically mm. Mm. this is bella here for all our listeners um dr paula i'm wondering in your professional opinion how long would you say the honeymoon period normally lasts so it's actually different for all couples ah, trapped um, <laughs> There isn't a specific formula. For some couples, it can last a few months. For some couples, it can last a few years. Um, it does definitely depend on each couple. But I think one of the important things to remember is that after that is gone, it doesn't mean that your relationship is like doomed or there's <laughs> nothing to look forward to. It's actually what comes after that phase that really puts a couple through the ringer. Like that's mm. what is going to really prove if this is a long lasting connection or if it was just something more physical. Because it's when, when the physical is gone, you're left with like the spiritual, and the intimacy you know and that's where the strength of relationships really comes from mm. that's like a really insightful answer I'm always <laughs> curious because I've been my current partner for a little over three years and I keep waiting for the honeymoon phase to be over so I'm always <laughs> grilling people being like how long does it last <laughs> no, for some people it can last 10 years or mm. longer um it there are things couples can do to keep that Ooh, yeah give us your hot tips kind of <laughs> going and one of those is keeping a little bit of of the mystery alive mm. so making sure you each have your own lives and you're very independent um respecting each other's space is super important and so mm -hmm. i think to the extent that you can keep some of that going you're also going to be able to um you know keep a little bit of the excitement mm -hmm. um, around as well i love those tips <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've actually found that for me like the honeymoon phase like had ended in my current relationship and yet 
I feel as though it's kind of a flow, like like an undulating experience. Like right now I feel like another honeymoon phase or another yeah. like euphoric romantic thing. And I like I like believing that um relationships transform and evolve and it's just like this layer after layer of intimacy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely not going to um just be flat you know there Mm -hmm. are going to be different ebbs and flows to relationships and there could be multiple honeymoon periods depending on like life stages and things that just happen in people's lives you are going to find that there are some moments you know where it can feel more exciting some moments where it feels just a little um I wouldn't say not exciting but just more um comfortable comfortable exactly mm. that is a good way to put relationships that. have peaks and valleys just like we do <laughs> Absolutely. Mm, yes very true so I'm curious um what are some of the main issues people bring to you in sessions uh well there's a lot of different things so um I when I work with couples one of the things that um often comes up is just um kind of a feeling of them losing their connection a little bit. I I work with a lot of families who have children, young children. I've also started working with a lot of families of children with disabilities. And so, you know, how those life strains can definitely put, um, you know, a lot of weight in couples and it makes it hard for them to connect and to leave the stress aside and focus on them and be romantic. So that, you know, that's one of the things in just talking to couples about, ways alternative ways they can connect and you know thinking outside the box finding the little moments in time where um you know just life allows for them to to be together Mm -hmm. um so that's one of the things that um i encounter a lot um i guess another thing that that does come um in up in session when I'm not working because when you're a marriage and family therapist or a um, couples therapist um, sometimes you're not working with both partners Mm -hmm. so you only work with one person and so um, oftentimes is helping the person understand themselves uh, and then in that context work towards understanding and communicating better with their partners Mm -hmm. Um, so when we think of a couples therapist usually we just think of like oh there's two people in session but many times you just work with individuals as well and then what they want to accomplish within their couples Mm. something I thought to bring up would be um cheating or infidelity uh for me personally um my partner and I were open poly um but I have a lot of friends that uh stick to traditional um monogamy and so many times I find that um, infidelity is this huge issue and, and there's no communication about, you know, desires and suppressing desires. And, um, you know, I wanted to maybe talk about how partners can, um, cope with that. And if there's a way to intuitively detect, like if their partner is cheating or, or lying, um, or if there's any, any advice you have, um, for that. And I also did want to, bring up whether that's if that's like a a sexual cheating or emotional cheating because I feel as though infidelity isn't just oh I slept with someone 
Definitely. So when it comes to infidelity, um, it, it is very emotionally charged topic. And it is also, again, I hate to say it, but going to be very different for each couple. I think one of the misconceptions is that it is the um, act of infidelity itself that ends a relationship. But in reality, when a relationship gets to the point where someone is being unfaithful, um, you know, that is just like the the drop that like overflowed um it, there i don't know um how to say it. i'm sorry sometimes the spanish just like comes in <laughs> they're the way i speak I like uh, that imagery <laughs> yeah um so you know um oftentimes there are a lot of signs that maybe we were just not able to to interpret or to understand but that a relationship had been experiencing difficulties for a while way before uh, a partner even thought about um, cheating or being with another person. So, you know, one of the things that I would suggest, recommend to our listeners is to try and not snoop. (laughs) You know, that is um, a lot of the times when we suspect that our partners might be cheating, the first thing we want to do is like go through their phone, go through their Mm. computer, try to figure out. And um, all that is doing is... um, putting more distrust in the relationship and masking what is really going on there. Um, I think if you are already feeling like your partner might be cheating or might be unfaithful, then that is a sign that you need to communicate better. Um, There is some reason why you're feeling maybe insecure and that insecurity might be about yourself more than it is about your partner. Mm -hmm. So it is a good time to uh, perhaps seek therapy or speak to someone that might be able to provide some guidance as to what is going on and how you're interpreting this feeling of insecurity. Um, Because, you know, oftentimes, yeah, there there is a partner who is cheating, but other times we just, you know, we're putting things in in our minds because we are insecure with ourselves Mm -hmm. and or we feel like we don't deserve uh, the partner we have or we are ready to end that relationship I think Phoenix and I were talking about mm-hmm. this um, earlier how maybe we're we are the ones who aren't satisfied in the relationship or we're just looking for a reason to get out and so mm-hmm. you know we're just digging for for that piece I'd also like to add that if anyone is rethinking fidelity and infidelity a really great book is Esther Perel's The State of Affairs yes. I just wanted to shout that out and also uh, Tosca was mentioning that she's in an open and poly relationship um, and that some of her friends who are in more traditional relationships experience infidelity and I just did want to mention that there can still be infidelity in open and poly relationships so if anyone listening Absolutely. was mm-hmm. kind of feeling that I wanted to say like I hear you And, you know, definitely respecting um, just whatever form a person's relationship is taking, but also understanding just the implications of a monogamous relationship and what that means uh, and how realistic or not that might be with a specific partner and what their needs are. Uh, Because oftentimes we want to be really... um, I, I, I guess selfish in a way where we, you know we want to keep the person to ourselves but perhaps for them monogamy might just not be ideal and so we are doing a disservice to ourselves in trying to force a monogamous relationship with a partner who doesn't want to be monogamous or that just doesn't feel like they can be and so we're setting ourselves for failure if we think we can change a person mm. um, 
you know, or make them change because we really, really want them to. That's just not how it works. So, you know, another, um, since we're talking about some, some books, um, there's a book called Sex at Dawn. And, you know, it talks a lot about from an anthropological and sociological perspective, just like about monogamy, um, and how we've changed as humans and how society has put certain pressures mm. and certain things among us. So, you know, definitely um, communication. I, I think Tosca talked about that in the beginning of the question. Communication is vital. And if at some point you want the type of relationship where if at some point you are feeling a little insecure, that you're able to ask that question openly mm-hmm. and not be met with like gaslighting. Like, oh, you're crazy now. You know, that a person can be honest and say, you know what, I'm, I've actually felt a little disconnected from you. And, you know, even though I'm not seeing anybody else, you know, I've definitely not been as involved or invested as Mm. in the beginning so you want to be able to cultivate the type of trust and communication where you can openly talk about some of the insecurities or some of the fear otherwise it becomes like an avalanche you know you start with the little suspicion and then it just turns into something huge and sometimes even if your partner hasn't been cheating just your complete change in who you are and how you approach things might actually draw a wedge in the relationship Mm. that wasn't there Uh, before yeah I learned so much about communicating when I was in therapy and I was in therapy for maybe like four years um, not couples therapy just for my Mm -hmm. own um, issues that I had at the time Um, but I really learned how to to voice certain things and I would love um, some advice from you and how to communicate as a couple um, as a partner um just just some guidelines on communication because I mean I'd love to incorporate them into my relationships of course (laughs) definitely so I mean one of the main things that um, I always tell people is to be honest and it can be really scary to be honest with your partner so you know we have a lot of um, things we've been dragging our entire lives and then it's almost like we're expected to suppress all that once we start dating someone, mm-hmm. but that stuff is still there. And the as the more honest we can be and the more authentic yeah. we can be with our partners, the better. Um, I know we all want to be on our best behavior when we're starting to date someone, <laughs> but if that's not who we really are, then ultimately that's all going to crumble later on in the relationship when there's other pressure. So first and foremost, being honest and being authentic. Um, the other one is really doing the work with yourself um, because sometimes when we communicate with our partners, we're not, our intentions are not just what we're communicating, but there's mm-hmm. like ulterior motives in mm-hmm. what we're saying. And so we have, we want to make sure we've worked through our own things, our own fears, our own insecurities before we embark in a relationship where we are expected to communicate with Um, our partner openly and honestly. Um, That's another one. And the other one is look for the appropriate moments to communicate Mm. difficult things. Um, Sometimes what happens is we've bottled up things and we've kept them for weeks and then they come out at the most inconvenient times. (laughs) What? Really? Repressing emotions. (laughs) It's like, wait. (laughs) 
Like why? I know why? all about repression. Yeah. It's not my friend. <laughs> and it can be very difficult in relationships when these bombs just come out in the most inconvenient time. So don't bottle things up and just talk with your partner as things come up. Um, you know, just make sure you're relieving the pressure gently and slowly mm. rather than letting <laughs> it explode um, in in uncomfortable or inconvenient moment because at times when we let a bottle up and it comes up comes out as aggressive and angry and mean then the point of it is lost so we're no longer able to communicate our pain and our fear um, we are communicating aggression and anger and so for a partner that can be just comes out of nowhere maybe they have had no idea what was going on <laughs> and so that can be that can be difficult for yeah. sure mm. this is great advice I am really excited to put this into practice uh, okay. <laughs> I hope it helps <laughs> so on a previous episode where we talked about sexual sovereignty I was talking a little bit about how I find that my clients often come to me once they're already at a breaking point I do find this kind of frustrating, even though I understand it's just the way things are. I I really wish people would seek support before it got to that stage. I'm wondering how would you encourage potential patients to seek therapy or other mental health assistance as a way to manage their lives more effectively or learn how to communicate better with others before it reaches that point? Of course, very important because you're right. Sometimes people come to therapy when... Um, their life is completely undone um, when they've got no other option. And that sometimes is a, a, a bit late. Um, and not to dissuade <laughs> people who are in that no, stage, no, no. please still seek help. Of course, help, absolutely, but. absolutely. But um, one of the things I tell people is we, we've been used to or socially trained to see therapy as like, oh, going to the doctor or something scary or like, you know, when you're a little kid and you feel like you're going to go get a shot or something. (laughs) Um, So I try to reframe it as the type of self-care that you do, like when you're going to get a massage or when you're going to go get your nails done um, or go to a yoga class. We need as a society to approach therapy in that way. Um, You know, sometimes a massage is going to be deep tissue and it's going to hurt a little and it's going to leave some bruises. But Mm -hmm. um, afterwards, we realize that it is something that is helping us feel better. So seeing it as an act of self-care and self-love, seeing therapy like as a gift you, you give yourself and those around you that you love, because the more you work on yourself and try to resolve some issues that you might be affecting you, the more present you're going to be for everyone else around you. So, you know, I just see it as a little treat that you can give yourself. Um, and reframing it in that way has been helpful for a lot of people who might have been not unsure about going to see a therapist. Mm. I love that. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that self-care isn't always bubble baths and manicures yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. it's like therapy or it's deep inner work yes yes so true mm-hmm. so important and I I wanted to represent some of our listeners who are not currently in relationships and perhaps seeking one yeah, um so 
I feel like most of us who who are you know listening to this podcast are probably connected to uh you know spirituality and the new age mm-hmm. crystal all, all that kind of stuff yeah. um and I've actually had a few friends who are single ask me like hey how do I seek people who have these common interests and where do I I find a partner who is aligned with my values and is it dating apps is it going out to certain places um and so I wanted to ask, how would you, how would you suggest someone finding new partners and what conversations would, would you have with those potential partners before you meet? So say like you're on, you're on one of those apps, what, what sort of conversations would you have with potential dates? Definitely. So, um, I know sometimes people are a little scared of getting too deep, uh, in those conversations. There's a fear of, um, are they going to think I'm too much or are they going to think this is too heavy or am I going to push them away based on the conversation? And what I often say is if that pushes them away, then good. Like that person just was not for you. And if they can't handle you bringing up these topics in um, just casual chatting or conversations, I mean, they're probably not going to be able to handle it when you're face to face. Um, so I think, uh, don't be afraid to, um, use a very thin filter <laughs> to filter out potential partners, because if you're letting, um, too many people through, you're going to become discouraged and tired. One of the things about, um, dating that a lot of my friends who are single always share with me is how exhausting it is of just like going on dates and meeting people but not really connecting so it's actually I would encourage people to be as honest as they can on the dating apps and just uh, put it out there and just say you know I'm very interested in this and I'm just wondering if that's something you would consider Um, just being authentic and being open not trying to oh I'm gonna pretend I'm like this because that's what people like that's what gets you dates well you know if if that's why you're on the apps then go for it but a lot of people want to find meaningful connections and so being yourself and not being afraid to bring up those deep um, topics and conversation I think is important I think that's so important and one of the things before I met my partner I decided to be 100% myself in my next relationship and unbeknownst to me because I hadn't met him yet he had made the same resolve and I'm so glad that he did because his complete authentic expression is what I love so much about him and you know we all have this idea that we should tailor ourselves a little bit to be more compatible but at the end of the day we're ultimately pushing away the person who's like oh yeah everything about you is my jam absolutely and you know a lot of people um, describe it and I think with my own personal experience as well after being in like a very difficult um, abusive relationship for like six years um I actually told myself, you know what, I, the next person I'm with, I just want them to be okay with who I am fully, not trying to change me, not trying to, because my other relationship felt like work. It felt difficult. It felt heavy. It felt like I was, you know, swimming on the opposite side of the current against the current. Um, Whereas now with my husband, uh, I told him, you know, it just feels like I'm on vacation. Like since we met and started dating, it just feels easy and smooth and it's fun. And so if you um, are in a relationship that just feels very difficult and like constant work and like a challenge, 
then it might be a good time to look into whether you are being yourself and you are being authentic because you might be sacrificing key parts of who you are to conform to what this person is wanting you to be um, or who they're wanting you to be. And that's why it feels difficult. You're sacrificing so much about yourself and relationships should not be about that. Yeah. So sex is all good and well when we're feeling happy and like everything's going well in our life. But I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about some of the ways our mental health can impact our libido. And if we are feeling down in the dumps or going through a really blue period, what some of the ways that we could turn it around could be. Absolutely. So, you know, uh, people are used to seeing sex as something purely physical, but as I've heard you talk about in previous episodes, um, sex is also something very spiritual and very mental. And you have to think about how all those things connect in order for you to, to be present in your sexual experiences. So, you know, when you're feeling like you're not quite there, one of the things I tell people is it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not want to have sex or to, you know, not feel like you're ready or that you want to in the moment. And that should be fine. If at some point then you feel like that is um, not making you happy and you definitely want to engage in sexual activity, but your body or your mind isn't letting you. One of the things I suggest for people to do is to do um, full body meditations, to do a lot of breathing exercises and muscle relaxation, um, try to connect with their body a little bit more. Um, I'm also not opposed to herbal remedies. Um, of course, I think people should consult their doctors if ever they they want to um, drink anything or take anything. There's a lot of really amazing teas that... I'm not kidding you, we will return your libido to you. It's just mm -hmm. incredible. <laughs> but, um, you know, because medication is derived from these natural remedies, like um, pharmaceutical companies put out things that were just like synthesized or um, chemically made things that occur naturally in our environment. And so definitely try that route first if you feel comfortable and your doctor's giving you the A-OK. -okay. Um, that's a very good first tier intervention. Um, seeing if, you know, maybe that'll help you connect a little bit. Um, and also exploring um, self-love. I think a lot of the times when we um, are not able to connect sexually with our partner, it could be that something is off with our own um, self-love and our thoughts of whether or not we deserve positive or satisfactory sexual relationships and so it might be a good moment to do a self-exam and just think about where where am I where am I at um, and is this really maybe my body wants to be there but my mind is just not ready and so taking it slow and taking the time can be really helpful and you know, the next tier would be just going to see a, a doctor, a psychiatrist, or someone who can prescribe medication. And if you are already on medication, and that is what is preventing you from being able to have enjoyable sexual relationships, just don't be shy to talk about it. A lot of people are really scared to take their, tell their psychiatrist, like, I, my libido is like non-existent right now. You know, they're afraid that they're going to be dismissed or that the doctor's going to say that's not that important. Um, 
but it is really important and there are alternatives there are different for example antidepressants particularly ssris um are very well known to cause issues with um sex um sex and both for men and women um, because of the way they interact with our serotonin levels and so um definitely talk to your psychiatrist tell them if the medication isn't working for you and if you're not on medication then you think that might be an option i would suggest talk to your doctor try herbal remedies as a first line and then go from there that's so wonderful and i think a lot of the times doctors don't ask about sexuality yeah. and they should but that's yes. okay and it's okay to ask them to initiate that absolutely. even though i know it's really scary absolutely I feel that therapy is so important for everyone. Um, just like there is no subculture or, you know, group that shouldn't have access to Absolutely. mental health care and therapy. Um, but my last question for you, what advice would you give to someone seeking therapy, counseling or support groups? Absolutely. So one of the things I recommend is that you approach therapy with an open mind and an open heart. And also remember that just as difficult as it can be to find a partner with, with whom you're a good match, it can also be as hard to find a therapist with whom you're a good match. So if you go into a session and you don't like, you don't feel a connection or you don't like the, their style, it is okay to not come back and try to find someone else. Don't be discouraged about therapy because of a negative experience. It can take two or three different visits with different therapists before you find the person that you really connect with and who really gets you. And that's absolutely acceptable. And as therapists, we don't take personal offense to a client not returning. We just understand perhaps this wasn't for them or it wasn't a good connection. And we want people to actually be very picky as to who they want to work with because that's where the real work happens when you feel comfortable, when you feel open and like you can trust the person. So um, if someone is fortunate enough to have medical insurance, which sadly in this country, it's not everybody, uh, for, but for those who do, um, I would suggest calling your insurance company. Um, usually you don't need a referral for mental health services and they can provide a list of all the providers in your area and call call and ask questions and you can ask them what is your approach what is your orientation um are you comfortable working with people with alternative lifestyles do you have experience working with people um for example who have done sex work or who are from the lgbtqia plus community um so all of that is going to be very important just be um very thorough with your questions it's a job interview for therapists so they should be comfortable and open answering as many questions as you have um, another resource to find a therapist is through the psychology today website um, they um, allow you to put in your insurance your the area where you live if you prefer male or female and what particular issue you want to address and then it'll let you know all the therapists that meet that criteria so if you're if you're a little shy or you don't like to make phone calls um, they list their emails as well and a lot of them can be very responsive and um, you know open to any questions that you might have so and don't be afraid go for it. it it can be a challenge but ultimately it'll pay off in a personal but in a really in a relationship level as well 
Thank you so much for that great advice. You're welcome. Thank you, Dr. Paula. Thank you for having me. Thank you me. so much for coming on. And we hope that you'll come back and join us and maybe answer some of our listener questions Absolutely. in upcoming episodes. I would be happy to. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the Sex Magic Podcast. You can find us at sexmagicpodcast.com, on Instagram at sexmagicpodcast, or send us an email or a recorded audio clip if you'd like us to answer your question live at sexmagicpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs>